talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello. And welcome back to More Like the Worst Wing, our podcast where we discuss Aaron Sorkin's seminal TV show, The West Wing, from a modern leftist perspective. I'm host number one, Stu. I'm your other host, Dave. Welcome back to our United States listeners. I hope you all had a lovely Thanksgiving and ate well and were... (laughs) I ate far too much, as is tradition. And we're able to dodge your Facebook uncles, um, yes. as I did this year by literally leaving the country with my wife. Ugh. So we're back and ready to uh, get back into the West Wing. Today's episode is number 16 yes. in season one. I believe it's called 20 Hours in Los Angeles. It sure is, uh, which is not the worst way to spend 20 hours, in my opinion. Uh, having lived in Los Angeles for a few years, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I know it has a a certain reputation amongst people of just being, like, a miserable town full of assholes. And, like, that's not an inaccurate description, but, you know, most of America is a miserable town full of assholes. I I also live in a miserable... I live in the biggest miserable town full of assholes. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, a big city where there's cool stuff to do is always nice, in my opinion. Yeah. And my sister lives in downtown Los Angeles. I've been to visit a lot, and it's a great place. I love Los yeah. Angeles. My, so, my one note before we go on, if you want to move there, just get a job where you don't have to commute during L.A. rush hour. Or if you do, <laughs> you have a very clear and swift path. Uh, that will make a world of difference in your life quality. <laughs> and before we like move along, I think like there is actually in the very beginning here like a lot of sort of obsession on the part of the staff with Los Angeles. Like there's a dedicated amount of screen time with Margaret, but also like CJ and Donna Donna discussing (laughs) very, very feministly what makeup is going to block the, the menacing sun best. Um, But there's, there's a very, there's a perception and I guess image of Los Angeles that maybe at the time, and I don't know, it was 20 years ago, was maybe it was just a little bit different than how we think about, you know, New York and Los Angeles these I think, days. So I, don't I, know. Think, I think you kind of misread it here in your notes. I think Margaret's pissed because she didn't get to go. Oh, no, that's... Oh, I, okay. I, no, I, I understand <laughs> okay. that, but I think it's like that the... Uh, oh, maybe I did. I wrote this very Yeah, strange. you put the, the who are bothered by going there. So I'm, I missed a not... Uh, but anyway so so let's move along (laughs) and just say that the episode takes place on a presidential visit to the city of los angeles to host a right and so the fundraiser is really sort of one of our big plot points um and it's it's run by um bob balaban um who i i know as one of carrie's gay friends from sex in the city uh, if if i recall correctly but he, but yeah, he's also I mean, one of these. I've, I have not watched. But he's Sex one of these characters much, actors so. who show pops up in you know dozens of things. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, he's a big in uh, uh, Christopher Guest. Yes, movies. yeah, he's a re- he's one of the Christopher Guest regulars. That's also where I know yep. him from. Um, love uh, love Christopher Guest. Uh, so he's playing a fictional Hollywood man um, who is uh, or, or a billionaire. 
yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. like a billionaire, and he's a he's some yeah, president studio, of some studio some president TV, exactly because because that's why yeah. he makes the line about I've been president longer than he has. and it becomes immediately clear that um thanks to sam actually that the issue that this guy cares about is gays in the military um i don't know if you know the episode is unclear as to whether or not he's gay i guess it's immaterial at the end of the day um but that is that's his pet issue of choice and since he's the big donor man he wants his voice heard by the president um, and that's sort of setting up one of the main issues of this is just like, this is the most like, here is how money in politics works um, kind of episode of the West Wing. Yeah, and it's, it's like, I think it actually introduces the concept to the viewers here because we've, we've, we've toyed with it in the, fir- in the other 15 episodes of this season. This is extremely, I mean, again, Bob Balaban's character just physically says like, you want me because I'm going to give you two and a half million dollars. And later like it is explicitly spelled out that two and a half million dollars buys you 10 minutes with the president. Uh, Like, so that's quite an hourly rate he's got working. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Um, so, so, so they well, also um, sorry backing up a little bit. Let's um, so we get a cold open with Leo and uh, Bartlett um, talking about their uh, secret service detail being increased on Zoe. Um, so this is sort of the start of an arc that will that will lead up to the season finale of uh, threats against the president and his family, finally culminating in spoiler alert a big attack that that happens in the final episode of the first season. Yeah, and so it was, in case it wasn't, or people don't remember, it was actually sort of explicitly spelled out a few episodes ago that they're concerned about Zoe's relationship yes. with Charlie um, because there are, like, white supremacists who are right, extremely and they're, you know, they're, like, writing like angry and threatening letters, and they're, you know, the FBI's picking up, like, you know, red flags and shit like that. You know, they're they're worried. Uh, yeah, and so we yeah. get introduced to... Zoe's new attache, yes. basically, who is a Secret Service agent. Um, the actress is yeah. it's Georgia Fox. She's incredibly yeah. famous from CSI. She's been on CSI for like yeah. uh, yep. uh, 15 I, but years this, this was or whatever. Before that, when and she's just sort of like a guest starring role for a couple few episodes as one of Zoe's uh, new Secret Service agents. And... Uh, yeah, and I mean we get we get a, like a pretty Bartlett style sort of condescension yeah. thing well, where he's it, grilling this quote unquote new agent where it's like, well, you know, how long did you train for this? Right? Are, are yeah. you sure? Are you, are know you what qualified you're doing? person like, who who got hired by the Secret Service? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and we see Ron Butterfield again being like, hey, I picked this woman to be Zoe's new agent yeah like, that should be the like that should be the ultimate sign off right going. there is that is that if ron butterfield <laughs> approves of it i am fine with it <laughs> that like do, do you yeah, trust your that, head that's a man who inspires trust <laughs> in my opinion yeah and and meanwhile fucking jed has probably never fired a gun in his life <laughs> oh god yeah no at some at some hunting trip where the quails were tied <laughs> yeah. up ahead of time cheney Ugh. style you know <laughs> That's the only time. Uh, I always feel like the plane Air Force One is fun. You know, I feel like we usually have a lot of fun as viewers whenever we get to see the plane 
there's usually like something funny happening or uh if, for example at the end of the cold open bartlett has a nice little smug moment where he's like want to see the best part about my job <laughs> <laughs> he picks up the phone he tells the pilot to take off and he just gives a little <laughs> shit-eating grin of like the plane takes off when i say so yeah and i mean it's it's a really it's a nice break i think as a like a uh, a pacing trick to to yeah. take a set completely separate from the you know the the west wing as it stands and sort of have a little isolated area for all these people to interact with in cramped quarters so i mean it's right, it's fun before, before we actually get to yeah. la yeah yeah, I feel like the plane's always fun, other than the one episode, which is all about a problem on the plane, but we'll get and, to that you know, that's later. another way to use a uh, tool. Yeah, uh, yeah, as a, like, a writing tool, as, like, sort of a bottle episode moment. Yep. Um, so then they, they get to L.A., and um, we I, I noticed that we get a lot of shots of exteriors and the president walking to the car and, like, stuff we don't, don't normally get. And again, this is just sort of setting up the serialization for the arc of the security arc that's leading to the finale attack. Yep, so we... I feel like. And it's it's effective, because, like, as a viewer, you're like, I haven't seen Bartlett, mm-hmm. like, walk outside before. Mm-hmm. And, well, it's it's also uh, him, um, out of outside of, say, a fundraiser, him, like, reading crowds, which we also, mm-hmm. have, like, we haven't really seen much of. No, because, you know, we have, we have not seen campaigning Bartlett at all yet. Um, you know, they haven't started the second campaign and later on we'll get some flashbacks to his first campaign but we haven't really seen like work the crowd bartlett other than at fundraisers or where he's giving speeches so once they land we actually get a quick cutout back to the west wing because margaret's mad Mm -hmm. that she didn't get to go to sunny california (laughs) California. and we also get a brief interaction of ed and larry talking with leo ed and larry being like the the head sort of research guys i guess guess like the, research the, I, I will call them the rosencrantz and <laughs> of, of the west wing yeah. where they're they're just kind of they get subbed in for like any low-level staffer mm-hmm. essentially when they when they have to uh, when they have to interview i don't think they quickly. have i don't think they have defined job roles <laughs> specifically they're just meant to be generic staffer who uh you know these are the two guys who we pay to to talk by sag rules <laughs> yeah so they also uh they introduce the other sort of political complication of the episode which is something is happening where there is a tied vote in the Senate about mm-hmm. an ethanol, ta- a corn ethanol tax credit. Correct. And Hoynes, the vice president, is being called up to break the tie, as is right. his role. Right. And they, they want him to break the tie against the credit. Or, or for, for the, credit. the credit. No, for, yeah, sorry, they want sorry. him to break you're it right, for you're right, the you're credit. Right. And he's, but he has been vocally anti-credit for in, in the past few years. Uh, he says he's voted against it time and time and again in the Senate every time it's come up. And so, and this will essentially like make him look not only like a flip-flopper, but also will hurt him when it's his turn to campaign and he has to go to Iowa and has to defend this. Yeah, when, or, and when he is the presumptive, because that's really the, the slot that the vice right. president slides into, and he's the presumptive nominee yeah. down the road, he's like, this is going to screw me in, you know, whatever. <laughs> and he actually puts it together, I think, in, in a something that I had never noticed before, but he puts that point together that the administration is deliberately sort of throwing this in his lap yes 
Yeah, they didn't... Yeah, they could have... You know, they could have probably, if they had really tried, whipped up an extra vote to not make it 50-50. You yep. know, and that sort of him. thing. Uh, yeah, and, and force him to go on the record. And ultimately, as is the resolution of this episode, that is what <laughs> they end up doing exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, which is interesting, because uh, Ho- Hoynes actually has the best argument, both from a, like, legal perspective of, like, this is a bad law oh, that, yeah. that will hurt people overall. And then also from kind of the moral perspective of, like, hey, you guys screw- are really screwing me here, and there's no reason to do it. Yeah, and it's it's almost, again, it's sort of in a bottle where it's like, and he actually puts it together for the viewers where it's like, this is, this is deliberately being thrust on me, both, I think, which it's not quite breaking the fourth wall here, but it's like, this is actually something that we will likely never hear from again. Right. <laughs> and also, like, completely unnecessary for me to, and again, he's correct about the issue as somebody who, uh, you know, I've I've actually done a lot of academic work with farm and ag subsidies and mm-hmm. energy and all this shit. He's, he's right. 20 years ago being like corn ethanol just fucking sucks. Yeah, like it's, fuck it's, corn, it, fuck ethanol. It's, it's like a 10% <laughs> additive to gasoline and only in certain cases. And like, it's not, it is not a reliable substitute to get us off oil, particularly foreign oil, which he brings up. Um, yeah. And like, you know, so if it's not, accomplishing anything why are we giving billions and billions of dollars to corn farmers <laughs> so and the answer is sort of... because iowa has its primary first <laughs> exactly because for some god-awful reason we uh, everything is determined by iowa because they vote for the democratic nominee first. yes so between those three things the gay rights and gays in the military, the new sort of security implications around having Zoe and the Iowa corn ethanol credit. That's basically that's the, our, like the, the, the framing of the those episode. are our main political beats. And then sort of our, our fourth alternate beat is Josh and uh, Joey uh, and their budding. Will they, won't they hook up romance? <laughs> uh, yes. Which and we'll get a little that more comes into. in as we, yeah, we can get a little more into and we'll kind of go into further because I the note I made at the top of this episode it's, was it's guest star Palooza. Oh, it sure is. And uh, bo- boy, <laughs> so, we get some good ones. So, yeah, let's we'll take a yeah. break here uh, and then we'll let's we'll we'll cover some of the guest stars and some other topics. We can dig in on the new personalities. Yeah. Excuse me. I wanted to introduce myself. I'm Mark Miller. I'm head of new project development at Paragon. CJ Craig. Toby Ziegler. Oh, it's good to meet you both. Um, CJ, I was wondering if my money buys me a few words alone with you. Throw in a box of chocolates and a pair of nylons. Gets you a lot more than that. Sure. I'll be over at the bar drinking a lot if anybody wants me. Nobody will. Okay, and we're back. So let's talk about since this is in Los Angeles, city of Hollywood and stars, uh, they went all out for the guest stars. Um, and so Bob... Uh, Balaban. Thank you, sorry. Bob Balaban is playing a fictional version of himself, but then we also have some celebrities playing the actual versions of themselves. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the first big one that we see at the party is none other than David Hasselhoff. The fucking Hoff, man. The Hoff. Uh, I, it was so great. I actually forgot that he was in this episode, and I legit got like excited and almost clapped <laughs> when he showed up. I was like, "Oh, the Hoff!" Holy fuck! And he, like he's got this wacky, like not 
quite white tie coat and tails outfit on yeah. or some shit he's it's he looks like um he's dressed up for some archaic like military ceremony like formal dress thing at this you know los angeles rich person party or whatever yeah and 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 donna bless her heart is saying like not only did i love you in knight rider but also your other work and is like (laughs) listing listing off his filmography and is trying her damnedest but uh but josh pulls her away before she can seal the deal well and it's also funny because like she's not She's talking through the Hoff making some weird constitutional trivia reference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. They, they gave the Hoff some political dialogue, so he's just, like, talking about, like, like he's an educated scholar. Yeah, he, he has um, a lot to add to the, 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 the conversation with a presidential aide. Yeah, let's, uh, let's ask Knight Rider what he, what he has to say. Um, then we also get Jay Leno, who I was much less excited about seeing. Uh, CJ yeah, has talking to... about fucking cars or something. Yeah, like, and who gives a shit? I know. CJ has to call him funny, which I feel terrible for CJ uh, <laughs> that, that yeah. someone forced her to say that. Um, and, and we uh, we have Donna also peeling off to talk about seeing Matthew oh, Perry. Oh right, so this causes like a, a freaking existential nightmare hole in the West Wing universe because <laughs> she references the fictional or real actor Matthew Perry uh, and then who will then later be on the show as fictional lawyer uh, yeah he plays a character in later seasons jo- of the West Wing Joe something last name and so does so who where is Matthew Perry in West Wing universe yeah does he exist does he exist <laughs> <laughs> and it's also it's a callback to I mean uh, it's uh, he sort of exists in the Sorkin orbit because he has a starring role in Studio 60. Yes. Which, you know, only lasted one season, but whatever. He, and, and I think, like, this was also very... He was a very... He was a phenomenon oh, oh, during yeah. the this, Friends this, days. This was like, Friends time, so he's huge. Yeah. He's a big name, you know. I remember seeing... Um, the whole nine yards where he was in that movie mm-hmm. with Bruce yep. Willis, you know, he was, his star was huge at this moment. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a, it's, they don't actually get him for this episode. They just have Donna, Donna talk about him off screen. Like, Oh, I see Matthew <laughs> and, Perry. And, and then she runs off. Yeah. And, and just like peel off. Yeah. yeah. And I think, so the last two, we, we get a, a sort of weird couple thing happening with my two favorite guest stars playing fictional characters because we run into Marley Matlin. Yes. Re- again, reprising, playing Joey Lawrence. Reprising her ro- Joey Lucas. Lucas, Joey excuse Lucas. me, not Joey Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, Joey- <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, we should have gotten the full house cast. <laughs> that would have been great. Bob Saget shows up. Ooh, man. Um, hey, this is Stu busting in with an editor's note. You may be asking what the fuck full house has to do with any of this, but Dave... Literally just did the same thing that I did for fucking years before realizing this is completely incorrect. The character that says, whoa, as a catchphrase, is Joey Lawrence on Blossom, not Uncle Jesse on Full House. It's John Stamos, who I I guess is like slick back, black hair, leather jacket wearing thing, sort of aesthetically resembles Joey, Joey Lawrence, on Blossom. But for some reason, I for years thought that... Full House had the catch for his woe in it, but it doesn't. Uncle Jesse says, have mercy, or some garbage like that. Joey Lawrence, Blossom, reference, we all make mistakes. 
but yeah, so she reprises her role as jo- Joey Lucas. Uh, uh, technically, they haven't changed her job yet, she, so she's not yet a pollster. Mm-hmm. She's still that same campaign manager she was. Yeah, she's but I swear to God, the next time we see her, she will have become a pollster. Uh, and then our our final guest star playing... Our final and, and best and guest best, star. for the record, <laughs> guest star playing a fictional person is John Delancey uh, playing Al Kiefer, uh, another fictional pollster. And John Delancey will never be Al Kiefer because he is always fucking I'm cute. I'm just waiting for, in every scene for him to snap his fingers and then for something to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and Picard to show up dressed in a funny and, hat And be or some very shit. angry about it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, he so. he comes in uh, initially um, with when the president's having lunch. He's he's talking with the advisors, but then also gets the ear of the president, and they're discussing uh, a fifth issue, which we actually haven't talked about at all, which is uh, flag burning and the and the concept yeah, of yeah. an anti-flag burning amendment. Um, and I won't d- dig into it too much now, but he basically makes the argument of like. Polls say an anti-flag amendment, uh, an anti-flag burning amendment would be popular. Therefore, you should do it. Uh, so he's he's basically <laughs> Robbie Mook, uh, where he's just the full data guy. If, like full on ruthless. Right. The, da- like, the, the data says do this. this so therefore, go. do it. Uh, yeah. So his char- his actual character is making kind of just this like very gross like don't actually have any morals just do whatever's popular <laughs> argument yeah um yeah. but then also he he comes in more later in the episode when we find out that he's romantically linked with joey lucas uh when when josh was trying throughout kind of the whole party to see if he could uh hook up with her and just the number of characters and personalities, it sounds like we're fucking describing yeah, soap this, opera. This one's very heavy is, on, on that. Yeah, this, this episode is, I don't want to say it's scattered, but it's just, there's a lot of shit happening. And again, it's almost another one of those, I think you called it a bottle episode. It's perfect because none of this, outside of the Zoe veiled violence threat thing, ever right, comes um, back. Uh this wouldn't be a bottle. A bottle episode means like a low budget episode where you use no new sets and no new locations. Oh, this oh, is kind of the exact okay. opposite of that, where they where they have to like use a shitload <laughs> of new sets and a shitload of new locations. But uh, okay, but in terms enough. of it being self contained, yes, I get what you're saying because uh, only the security threat really goes forward. None of this Hoyne stuff comes back. None of the flag burning stuff comes back. Gays in the military will eventually come back at some point. Um, and yeah, I don't eventually. know when, but we'll get, you know, we'll cover that when we get to it. And F- Fitz Wallace has a really great uh, bit during that conversation. Um, and I just think it's interesting that they, they picked, they picked an episode that has less serialization mm-hmm. involved it's to involve all of these, frankly, big ticket mm-hmm. guest stars. Where, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, fucking Jay Leno and the Hawk sure. like volunteer yeah. to show up. So, but but whatever it is, because it's almost it seems like a chicken and egg problem. It's like, did you blow all your budget on these guest stars? Yeah, I doubt and, like, it. I doubt it. I think they blew the budget off? on actually going yeah. to LA to film. Uh, and then yeah, the exactly. guest stars just happen to be there and would be like, yeah, I'll show up for a day, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no problem. Just for yeah. some free publicity. 
So yeah, it's um, you're right. It's not scattered, but there's, it's it, well, it's 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 an off format episode because one, we're out of the White House, which as of we have not had that happen yeah. for a whole episode yet. Um, in terms of just ev- everyone's out of the White House, and while we do cut back a couple of times, you know, this this episode is oh, you know ninety percent in all, LA, yeah. um, so that makes it a little awkward. Yeah in terms of just it being different, but it's not bad. It's actually a pretty good episode, um, you know, minus the, the politics of it, which we'll dig into more in our next segment, when um, let's, we'll actually, let's get into the actual issues discussed here and how, uh, how they're pitched in terms of this donor, big donor coming to the president for access. The politics of the episode are pretty, I mean, pretty straightforward in that they don't really get dug into by the action Mm -hmm. in the episode. But the one thing that it, as I mentioned earlier, it takes great care to lay out is sort of this transactional relationship with big money donors. Absolutely. I mean, Ted Marcus has a pet issue. And we get a, um, a denouement between him and the president at the end where he's the president's like physically shaking his finger at the guy saying, don't you dare do this to me or my staffer again, because he says, and I quote, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll and take your word on that and then we'll, we'll let your record speak for itself. <laughs> yeah. So when I was thinking about this. When he says it, I mean, it's sure it's technically true, but you know what you're doing in this shitty nonsense yes. transactional game that you play. Right. So, okay. So basically, what he says is like he he agrees with Tim Marcus that yes, obviously gays should be allowed to serve in the military. I'm with you 100. percent And if a, if a bill comes up and that says gays are banned from the military, I will veto it. But don't worry about it, because this bill that is coming up right now is not even going to make it out of committee or whatever. And so, and Ted Marcus is like, great, I, I'm thrilled that you have that position. Why can't you go say that to the American people? Yeah. And this this is and, what prompts the I know what I'm doing rant. Yeah, because he's Jed's argument is that as soon as he goes in a public sphere and says this thing, it shines a spotlight on the issue and brings it to the table for a legitimate, more complex debate instead of letting the legislation just die quietly a procedural Right, death. and I, I guess the fear is that they're going to lose the debate if it happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, like doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Yeah, which then, yeah. So this is why, like, this Jed's rant here just feels, like, really gross where he just condescends to this guy and says, how dare you pull this stunt of of threatening to cancel the fundraiser? Because he threatens to cancel it at one point. He has the guy start loading everything back onto the trucks yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's because he's pissed about this issue. What do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Ted, I checked into my hotel 15 minutes ago. Would you hold my ass out of here? I for? think you want to watch your general tone with me. I'm sending you home tomorrow with two and a half million dollars. What do I want to talk about? Cameron's bill is a joke. Not to me. It's the house. It's a procedure. You know how many bills get introduced every day? They never get a hearing, let alone a vote. That's it? Yeah. You came to me with that? I came to you because you told me to. No, I got a cab waiting outside, so... Yeah, you're right. Don't worry about it. I'm being silly. You're worried about nothing. We'll see you later. President's looking forward to it. Excellent. Fellas, you can pack it up. The party's off. 
and then Josh gets him to uncancel <laughs> it and, and and have it. And so, you know, and the president acts super aggrieved that, you know, he's being jerked yeah. around, essentially, exactly. on this, when, you know, this is, what, like... What? This is the yeah. job. What do you think? He's a constituent. He's an American, and not only that, he's a particularly wealthy and powerful one that has bought this time and <laughs> access with you. He's voicing his issue, you know, like, just give it respect and listen to and, it. That's all he wanted. And again, it's it's sort of this weird, um, I don't want to say like a great man phenomenon again, but like, this is what you reap when you set up the mm-hmm. system to work in this way. You're going to yes. you're gonna give these people access for their dollars, Right. What do you think if, they're if going you, to demand? Yeah, if you don't want to be yelled at if for 10 minutes by a very rich man, then stop yeah. taking rich man dollars. Or perhaps not being beholden to him is in your best yeah. interest. Yeah, and then you could just communicate with him as an equal and not as the threat of having millions of dollars taken from you. Yeah, and the argument about the spotlight thing, I just I wrote a little piece about this. It's like, I mean, I understand that it's it's pretty complex that you're thrusting a certain issue into the public's perception, but now, 20 years down the road, I think it's not even it's not even quite relevant anymore. Yeah, because, because now there's a tw- there's a tweet for everything. Yeah, exactly. You know? exactly. Like every everything <laughs> is in the public sphere. The idea that you could take some things out of the national conversation conversation is absurd. Yeah, it's garbage because <laughs> the, the national conversation now includes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, so yeah, there's no more there's no more gatekeeper of the media, the press corps, carefully cultivating right. this access to the process of the sausage being made right and you can tell this is sort of a dated thing of like they were just starting to get to that edge of like internet news kind of taking <laughs> over more and like you can see them even in the early seasons they refer to bloggers and websites like almost der- deris- dismissively yes you know of just like oh these idiots not realizing <laughs> like that is the future yeah, they're well, talking about and i think it's super cool especially and this is a great segue thank you um mm-hmm. because the one thing that this episode is pretty like finger on the pulse and directly prescient about is the image of the future, um, like, white supremacist shooters, uh, spoilers, that they see coming out of the Mexican restaurant and that Georgia Fox's character says, hey, you know, Zoe, walk on the other side of me because I'm I'm keeping my eye on these guys. Because she gets a weird, you know, with her Secret Service training, she gets a weird vibe off them right away. And, you know, they... These will, you know, spoilers, by the way, we're not going to, I'm not going to keep saying spoiler warning. Yeah, I assume, no, I, mean, <laughs> I assume you know where the show's going. Or you don't care. Or, yeah, or you don't care. But regardless, so these will, these are the actual shooters yeah. uh, that will end up, uh, or one of them is then, one of them's the guy on the ground who like tips off the guys in the window or something mm-hmm. like that. But these are, you know, I did not think we were, this is only episode 16. The shooting doesn't happen to the finale. I actually forgot that we get introduced to them like this early. This early on in the arc. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think this is one thing because the image itself is, is extremely, it's, it's Harrison Klebold, man. Like um, Columbine had literally just happened. And so I think we we may have talked about before where it's like there's this direct progression among the right wing white nationalist white supremacist stuff from Ruby Ridge to Waco to Oklahoma City down the line to this point where in 1999 when this show is being filmed, there's this bizarre 
flip where the media starts to sort of facilitate and enable the perception and awareness that you know weird spree shooters right. are seeking because because at it's this point. they they want to sensationalize it because that gets the most eyeballs and you know that gets the exactly. that gets the advertising dollars and this this is happening right now in real time in the show and like um the the Georgia Fox's character references like the SPLC which is really neat yeah. about you know tracking uh white hate groups yeah. but i think it more than anything this is a a very concrete and specific example of the image that is evoked now of these i mean it just and dozens and dozens of these yeah. i don't know like the cultural this, touchstone the, of the white supremacist yeah. Gun violence, yeah, white guys. These, guy. these like, guys would be at Charlottesville, you know. They, these guys. Yeah, exactly. These. This is. Then they, this they is look the like this is the proto alt right in its baby form. Like they. They look like the Mother Emanuel shooter yeah. for a more recent example. They look exactly like that motherfucker. Yeah. And so the, the sh- and again, you said you said it was um <laughs> the the thing with um art imitating life. This is happening here again, where it's like. Life is actually now imitating art that was imitating yeah, life. Yeah, it's at the time because this image has been created just sort of in a cultural yeah. way that's very Yeah, unique. and this is something that's interesting about the show since it's about politics and since politics is so like cyclical, you know, it will have these sort of moments of kind of like evergreen topicality where they, you know, this is just so spot on to like our current times even though it was written in 1999 and it's about a different issue but it's but it's the same thing ultimately you know it's these angry young white men who get super radicalized because of either white supremacy or economic conditions or what have you and then they don't have the right coping structures and then they they go fucking full terrorist yeah and i think it's also i, I was struggling with how to articulate this earlier because i think it also represents a just the universality of this threat is there are so many paths that lead to yes you know some somebody going off yeah. with a gun on, particularly on in this country there are so, so many, many damn guns in this country <laughs> to get your hands on there's so many damn guns and there's so many fucking problems in the country that it is this image being created of these people remains evergreen because there are just so many situations that result in this happening. So it's, I just thought it was, it was really, and it's a very brief shot of these guys and we will see more of them later, obviously, but it's just very um, almost spooky how it's like your, your brain immediately goes, that's exactly what right. those two guys yeah. are. <laughs> it's uh, it's spot on, and I can't imagine being the actor who's like, uh, so your casting call is for a uh, violent white supremacist gunman. Give us your best creepy yes. stare. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we if we cut your bangs straight across your forehead like this, do you think you could look yeah. like you yeah. know a Can spree you shooter? Give me your best thousand yard creepy stare. Oh, that's perfect. You're hired. <laughs> Perfect. Like you don't get it. No, you don't get any lines. What do you think you have agency in this role? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's really an interesting uh, take on that. The other politics. Um, 
we discussed the Hoynes I mean, thing and the uh, and the Iowa tax thing. They really don't they yeah. don't dig into it enough for us to really dig into the politics of it, other than just to say ethanol stupid and Iowa stupid, uh, which we <laughs> think we covered fairly well. And uh, yeah, and rest assured, and we won't hear it again. The flag burning thing so. uh, is is defused by the president, who correctly just says, "Is there some epidemic of flag burning that I'm not aware of?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, why are people so um, concerned fun- about this? And we do get a very, very of the times like yes. panel discussion of these people standing oh, up man. and giving heartfelt, emotional and, testimonies to like right. And our this, this, this goes back to like the core of the show and like the core of what we always come to disagree with and what this show like taught all these worthless liberals, which is that you should always hear out both sides, no matter how insane one of them might seem. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're uh, the, yep. the and the, you know the, you can the ev- battle the marketplace of ideas, <laughs> and you can oh you just diffuse the issue with a one liner and yeah without having do to, with, cleverly else. without having to make a comment <laughs> one way or the other as to whether he is whether or he is providing pro or anti flag burning and yes providing no solution as well um a, a true a true deft <laughs> yeah, maneuver so, of, again, uh, of doing nothing <laughs> <laughs> yes facilitated by the fact that it's a tv show um, yeah i think that yeah. kind of wraps up this episode i think we yeah, i think um go ahead i mean we get yeah yeah i think we're good no i was gonna say we get a little thing about josh oh yeah we should josh and we Q. should talk about that for a Maybe. brief moment so so throughout the whole party and fundraiser josh is trying to hit on joey lucas uh, somewhat successfully, I'll 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 give him some credit for, even though he's going through a interpreter, um, mm-hmm. which obviously makes it a little more difficult. Whoa, whoa, um, and then so Donna the whole time is like pushing him, by the way, to be like, yeah, go after her. You know, she likes you, you like her. Um, and knowing their ultimate fate, Josh and Donna, this feels a little weird, and is like, is Donna like proxy hitting on Josh or something? It, but it, regardless, yeah. so he decides like, okay, fine, I'm gonna go screw up my courage and go to Joey Lucas's room and and you know and see what happens. Get my yeah, on, totally. Yeah. Or at least that's clearly the intention. And then uh, who should answer the door but Q <laughs> it, 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 oh in a bathrobe, um, which I feel like he has done to Picard at some at it's, some point. It's it's very appropriate because there's always funny costumes when Q's involved. <laughs> uh, so it turns out him and Joey Lucas. Are an item, uh, or at least hooking up or something, and then Josh and Joey have this very awkward exchange of like looking at each other meaningfully while Q is right there, right <laughs> like, there. Right there. <laughs> I kind of wanted him to lean his head in a frame and be like, "I'm here," you know, <laughs> <laughs> or or just be like, "So, uh, yeah, you're in <laughs> yeah." Or not? Or, uh, in our alternate, <laughs> much better hypothetical version of the show, they all get together and have a big three-way. <laughs> And yeah, that's, yeah. But the sa- very, very sadly positive. that does not happen, and Josh leaves uh, disappointed. Um, and then I think yeah. I I want to say later on she has Al Kiefer's baby. She has someone's baby, and it sure as hell ain't Josh's. Mm. Oh, that's right. Uh, because yeah, later, well. one of her last appearances, she shows up pregnant. Um, well, you know, Oscar winner at that point, Marley yeah. Matlin is going to get a lot more expensive on his yeah, casting so- budget. Yeah, so by the end, they only bring her in maybe once a season, (laughs) tops. Um, But yeah, I think that that covers pretty much all the big beats for this episode. Overall, as like an episode of television, totally a good one. Um, 
as the politics, you know, didn't really dig into it too much, but not the worst of the episodes we've we've discussed. And yeah, uh, I think it was yeah, it was, it was fine. fine. Um, uh, you know, the novelty yeah. of going to LA adds adds a lot. Um, so our <laughs> next episode will be episode seventeen. Uh, is the White House pro am, um, which is about the uh, oh uh, god. Federal Reserve Chairman sounds uh, thrilling. Yeah, we do get Stockard back again as Abby, uh, who is Yay. always a delight, and I'm sure we'll have many nice things to say about her next episode. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. As always, uh, we welcome any advice, comments, feedback, potential guest stars uh, in the thread. If you have an episode you want to talk about, just drop us a line. We'll try to make that work out. Uh, yeah, we'd, we, love we'd, we'd love to have some guest stars. Uh, if not, uh, you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which is nice. And, uh, <laughs> and thank you. Yeah, we'll talk thanks to you for next listening. Week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. All right. Bye now. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on 